Hey guys, Monty, and welcome to The Spin Room, the home of everything indie here on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. And I'm here with my co-host Jane O'Connor. Hello, everyone. We're going to be reviewing the new Dead Can Dance album, Dionysus, but first, let's listen to a little bit of the Koch 2 Twins song, Aliosis, off the album Treasure. And of course, we will be bringing you the latest in music news as well. So stay tuned. Cocktoo Twins were a band around the same time as Dead Can Dance, except they're far gone. And one of the better bands of the 80s by far, Treasure is one of my favorite dream pop albums, or really proto-dream pop albums out there. So anyways, how are you doing today, Jane? Doing alright. Ready for break once again? Yeah, we're closely approaching break, so next episode I'll probably be talking about my top 10 albums of the year, or top 10 albums as they stand for the year, and I do put out a top 50 list every year around Christmas time, which you should be staying tuned to, because this year has been a fantastic year for music, and we've reviewed a lot of great albums on the Spin Room. I was about to ask if you thought 2018 had been a good year. Yeah, by far. 2018 has been one of the best years of music so far, and I think it actually um, exceeds 2016, and 2016 brought a lot to the table. 2015 also brought a lot to the table. Was 2017 just like a dead year? It wasn't really a dead year so much. that There just wasn't that much stuff that I thought was interesting that was released. It was still a good year of music, though. Don't get me wrong. Um, so anyways, there are some albums out today that you should definitely check out. The first being the 1975's album. And what's that album called? It's called A Brief Inquiry into Online Relationships, and that's on Dirty Hitter Interscope. And, you know, I listened to a few of the singles off yeah. this record I've heard and the I didn't like them. One was like Toot 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 or something like that. I forgot the name of it, but I don't remember it was name. like a tropical house song and it wasn't good. And I also want to like it. <laughs> and I also want to bring up uh so this is an interesting story that I think is actually quite egregious speaking of tropical house and that is what Coldplay recently did and um they created a side project called Los Unidades with um Pharrell Williams, you know, the guy who did Happy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it absolutely sucks. It's garbage. And, I, I mean, they've been putting out nothing but garbage for the past decade. Which is too bad, because they, used they had to some be, really, really stellar stuff. Yeah, they had some stellar stuff back in 2002 and 2000, you know, 2004. Russia Blood to the Head is... It was really the formative album for my music taste. Um... But yeah, it, it it's just it's garbage and it's obviously a cash grab. And part of me wants to hope that this is just Chris Martin saying, Hey, I've been releasing garbage electropop for the past decade. Let me create a side project so we can go back and coldplay producing decent like melodic rock music mm-hmm. and I can do this, you know, garbage electro hop stuff. Doesn't with a side project, but I don't think I it's was that. Say, it doesn't seem likely. No, it doesn't seem likely because they've gone too far. They've never made good musical decisions. They they used to, but they really, for their entire lifespan, have not made good musical decisions and have been so influenced by the cash flow and trying to stay relevant with the times rather than staying relevant whilst creating good music that, you know, they're sort of far gone. 
Anyways, so that's out. Um, and mm. the 1975, back to them. I told Jane earlier that I think Chocolate is um, the Wonder Wall of the 2010s. And we're going to play Chocolate right now just because I actually really enjoy that song. And I know it's weird to say, but it's a good song. And the reason why I like that song so much, or one of the main reasons why I like it so much, is I think it's like a revival of the whole idea of not hiding your accent if you're British and singing, which in the... Is that why it reminds you of Wonderwall? I mean, sort of. Britpop, one of the main things of Britpop culturally was that they British people have been hiding their accents for so long, like, you know, Duran Duran. Bands like that, you couldn't tell that they were outwardly British. I always felt like with Arctic Monkeys, they started out really British sounding and kind of yeah, lost no, that, it. That's what happened with Arctic Arctic Monkeys w- is really influenced by Oasis or their earlier stuff. Now Arctic Monkeys is it's like, like some, lost their accent. some <laughs> slicked hair, motorcycle riding BS. I, I don't like Arctic Monkeys. I, I hate their new album. It's garbage. Tranquility oh, Base Hotel and Casino really is just weird. bad. It, it's bad. The lyrics are bad. It's... Anyways, back on the topic of chocolate, though, in the 1975, they have a tendency to do these super, super long album titles, and they're pretentious as all get out. Even You should like that. I mean, I guess, even though my issue is that the 1975 caters to a specific audience, and I got called misogynistic for saying that that audience is primarily women, and primarily women in high school. And I don't think that's misogynistic, because that's just, you know, good marketing technique from the 1975. Because I don't... I mean, I stand corrected because I saw a dude who's a Sigma Chi wearing a 1975 shirt yesterday. So, I mean, I guess their audience is also for frat boys, which... I can see that. I mean, I could also see... Because I was in high school. I mean, that's, I was a high school woman that listened to them. That's Vampire Weekend, too. Vampire Weekend is primarily women in high school and also frat boys. So, I mean... Well, my brother listens to Vampire Weekend, but... Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> Vampire Weekend's okay. I'm just going to say that outwardly. I don't really care for their debut, but they're they're a good band. Anyways, back to the albums that came out, because there's a few more, and then we're going to get into the review of the Dyke and Dance album, Dionysus, and you're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM, and The Spinner Room. Oh, the new um, Jeff Tweedy album. Yeah, Jeff Tweedy, one of my favorite musicians of all time. Yeah. I've seen Wilco twice in concert. And I've never, I would love to see you, Wilco. You should. Live. They're fantastic live. But um, Wilco is one of my favorite bands of all time, at least their first few albums, um, are my favorite of all time. I love being there. I like. I feel like, not that's underrated, but I just really like that. Yeah, being there, the double album that they put out between Summer Teeth and their debut. But um, my favorite Wilco album by far is um, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Yeah, that's. It's the, a ten out of ten for me. That was probably a more pivotal album. It's, it's the album that Wilco did when they first jumped in the indie rock foley because they used to be an alt country band. Yeah, um, they you broke can really off of Uncle Tuplo. And um, when they broke off of Uncle Tuplo, some vote was formed from one guy in the band, and then yeah. Wilco was formed by Jeff Tweedy. And Wilco really took, um, you know, when they released their first album, which I believe was called um, it was AM. Called, yeah, I was going to say. 
so the same as the Arctic Monkeys record, which we were just talking about. Uh, it was completely alt country. That one didn't really take off as much as the first Sunvolt. No, album, yeah, Sunvolt. So Sunvolt like Sun was so be the big one. Sunvolt was so um, critically acclaimed, and Wilco wasn't. And then Wilco sort of did a bunch of contrarian stuff. And um, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. I want to do a classical review of that in general, but it's such a interesting album, the history behind it, and how basically the record label screwed Wilco over by telling them you can't release this because no one is going to buy it. And they said bet, and they self-released it, and then they got re-signed to the record label that they had just left, um, but on a different form of it. So there's a really interesting intrigue behind that. Jeff Tweedy is an interesting person. I'm not too big on his solo work. This is his first solo album, right? I think it's his second. Oh, okay. I, it's thought a, it was just... I think it's his second. And it features contributions from his son, and apparently Jeff Tweedy and his son live in my area, and vacation there, rather. Um, so also, Tyler, the creator, dropped... Um, Christmas album, not that it's that good. And Earl Sweatshirt, this is probably the more important one. Earl Sweatshirt dropped his new album, Some Rap Songs. That got an 8.8 from Pitchfork, and that might be deserving. I haven't heard it yet, but I actually quite like Earl Sweatshirt as a rapper. And um, I mean, it says here with his latest record, the one time teen prodigy reemerges in the face of a new sound and a scene that blurs the line between avant garde jazz and hip hop. Which that immediately gets jazz. that immediately gets my interest peak because I'm a big fan of avant-garde jazz. Um, Ascension by Coltrane is one of my favorite jazz records of all time, and that's not avant-garde jazz. That's yeah, free I mean, jazz. That's free jazz. But um, yeah, that's good for Earl Sweatshirt, and basically that's the news. Ted Cruz didn't actually. Ted Cruz isn't a Nine Inch Nails fan. <laughs> that came out apparently today. Arctic Monkeys. We just literally talked about them. Uh, dropped a new song, which I'm not going to play because I'm sure it's garbage. Um, and various other things happened. Chance the Rapper shared two new songs. Um, yeah, so that's the news. So what do you say we get into this review of the new Dead Can Dance record? Yeah, sounds good. All right, we're going to play a song off Dead Can Dance's new album, Dionysus, right now. And I'm probably pronouncing it wrong because it's a Greek title. And there's a huge Greek influence to this record that you should be definitely interested in. But we're going to play At To Liberator of Minds. We'll do that one. So a little bit of a back history of Dyke and Dance, because I think it's important. They're from Australia. Um, it's a duo, guy and a girl, and the duo is comprised of... Um, it's a musical project, actually. It's a, yeah, it's a <laughs> musical project comprised of Lisa Gerard and Brandon Perry, uh, based out of Melbourne, uh, Australia, or Melbourne. How do you even pronounce that? Melbourne? Oh, Melbourne? Melbourne? Melbourne. I'm dumb. Based out of Melbourne... And they've been around since 1982, so they've been releasing music constantly. They disbanded in 1998, but they reunited in 2005 and did a world tour, then broke up again, then reformed in 2011 again, and released a new album um, to somewhat critical acclaim. 
And they were originally signed basically to this whole scene of early 4AD records, or early 4AD bands um, that were releasing Ethereal Wave. So Cockshoot Twins and Dead Can Dance. But they did more of a neoclassical dark wave thing. Now, if that means nothing to you, basically picture um, Dream Pop, move it to the 80s, that's Ethereal Wave, and then move it towards a direction where it's a bit neo-folky, which if you're interested in that, that's really monotonal and sort of like spooky music that Current 93 does. And you have neoclassical dark wave. And there was also obviously, as evidenced by the title, influences from classical music. So it's really form- not formulaic, but it's really, really um, sort of complex structure-wise music that takes a lot of the elements of these dreamier bands of the 80s and forms it into something interesting. I mean, it is sort of formulaic in the way that a lot of their songs have a similar yeah they have a yeah all the pattern they're a very texturally based band um they strive to create texture um they have their most well-known albums are splitting ideal released in 1985 which is my personal favorite dyke and dance record because i think it's their most consistent within the realm of the dying sun in 1987 which has a 3.9 with an rym by the way which is very high the Serpent's Egg. Uh, and The Serpent's I like Egg. Um, yeah, Jane quite likes The Serpent's Egg. I have not heard The Serpent's Egg yet, and I should because it's in their classical canon. I really enjoy their song Ulysses. That's like the last one, I, last track, I think. Yeah. My parents actually introduced me to Dead Can Dance. That yeah. That's kind of funny. That's, that's awesome. But yeah, Dead Can Dance have been really just, they're truly an interesting band. And on this new record, Dionysus, that interest and that intrigue and that soundscaping really takes center stage. And this is going to be another one of those records where it's hard for us to play songs off of just because of how varied the songs become yeah. as they progress, which they is... Almost totally, not change genre, but they change into a very different sounding. Yeah. Almost a different song. They they change and they progress, and everything is like done in sort of an act thing. There's two acts on this record, the first act and the second act. And it's a relatively short record, clocking in at 36 minutes, which is great because... Um, you know, you can easily extend this stuff for two hours long and nobody would bat an eye. Yeah. Like and I each t- act is like 16, 17 minutes. Yeah, I I totally I totally assume that this is what they were going for if they just, you know. But they've done a good job at cutting down the time of the songs yet making them feel expansive. I'll give them that on this record. Uh, and the genre tags on this thing are absolutely insane. You have tribal ambient, neoclassical, new age, Turkish folk music, Balkan folk music, Iranian folk music, Greek folk music, and post-industrial coming in there at the very end. And it is a truly atmospheric and rhythmic album. It's an interesting concept album. And it has this overarching pagan vibe to it, which, you know, you can really get behind. That Eastern, like, Turkish influence, definitely. The Eastern influence on this record is something to you know, definitely check out. And it, I think you were definitely right with the whole rhythmic. Like, that's a good word. It, it's a rhythmic record. There's a lot of percussion going on, but it's not like percussion that's in your face. It's not like these are percussion-heavy tracks where there's just bass drums booming. No. Uh, it's a bit further back in the mix, but you can still hear it, and it's still a driving force of the music. Um, and we're going to play a song that sort of shows that. And all these songs sort of show that. But this is Act 2, The Mountain. And of course, they bring in those um, post-industrial S synths here, which are quite interesting.
we're gonna skip forward a little bit on the song. There we go. So we have that tribal ambient going on here with the various ethnic instruments in the background against this drone. And it truly gives a vibe of a mountain. The song is called The Mountain. You can sort of just picture that landscape in your head when you're listening to this song. And it's a hard song, again, to play in full. And I'll show another one. This is The Forest. So. Aptly named. Aptly named. All of the songs here sort of have this vibe to them. And this one shows more more the rhythmic side of this album. And of course in this song the rhythmic section takes more of a center stage. Anyways, though. So Australian's such an odd language. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so I guess this comes into my biggest qualm about this record. And it's that despite the fact that these songs and you know, probably upon future lessons my opinion might change about this because I feel like this is an album that could be considered a grower. Um Part of my biggest issue is just the lack of, you know, a coherent center to this album. It's one big progression. I don't think there's a climax to this record. I don't think there's a point at which you can really point out in this record, hey, that song on its own stands out as being individually interesting. And this is sort of the same issue I had with Low, but this is in a separate vein. Yeah, they're experimenting and they're exploring with sounds and they're exploring with texture, but that texture never comes to a true head, I think. And, you know, that's fine for this record, but... Yeah, it did make it hard for what I was trying to remember what parts of the song I liked. I couldn't remember, like, where it was or what act it was. Yeah, and I mean, that's not a bad thing, I don't think, from your critique. Um, I'm, I don't really... It doesn't matter to me that they go through several phases within one song, because I think that just makes it interesting to listen to. It's an album... Oh, it doesn't bother me. It's just, yeah. it's obviously harder. I mean, I don't think they're trying to be I was, commercial in any sense, yeah, but I, I in terms was, of recognition. I was once told by somebody that sitting down and listening to an album should be like sitting down and listening to a movie, or watching a movie, rather. And I've never really subscribed to that belief, because I think they're different forms of media, but... With this record, you could easily do that. You could easily sit down. You could listen to it for 36 minutes of your day doing nothing else, like paying nothing, uh, not multitasking with your ears or eyes or whatnot, just sitting down and listening. And you'd walk away quite happy. I honestly think you would. This record really caters to that. It there, seems like a fun thing to have while you drive. Yeah, there's not a there's not a dull moment on this record where you just think that they're overextending something. And perhaps on the mountain they overextend the drone a little bit, but I think that's supposed to be imposing. It's supposed to be the sound of a mountain. And, you know, stuff like that, little nuances like that in this record really make it interesting and really make it worth listening to, honestly. Um, Jane, what do you think? Uh, I enjoyed it. I actually liked it at a... I don't know, out of 10, maybe 7 is what I'm looking at. I'm going to give it a, so, I have a weird rating scale. So, I'm going to give this about a 6. It's probably something that will grow on me. Um, it's high to 
um, at its low at 6.3. But, you know, it's nothing that just really strikes me as being out of this world. But it's a good record. I mean, check it's it out. definitely safe for them. Yeah, it's a it's a safer record for Deck and Dance. Go check it out. It's a good record. It's in their wheelhouse. You know, they don't knock it out of the park, but they definitely hit the ball. Um, this has been The Spin Room on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. And we're going to go out with Psycho Pomp, the last song on this record, which has lots of bird sounds in it. I like bird sounds. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Spin Room, guys. Yeah.